clubhouse. How many are in that militia? Well, half as many as there used to be. That's a half too many, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. Here's Jamie for the warrants. We'll learn real quick where he stands. You're a good man, Casey. Sometimes good men have to do real bad things. Doesn't change who you are. I just want to be really clear about what you're asking. I ain't asking anything. You're telling you we're gonna kill him. We're gonna kill every goddamn one of them. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And welcome to Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone season four. This is episode two called Phantom Pain. And this is a very special day it for is. us. This is the first time that we are meeting and recording in person after three seasons over a year. How long Almost has it been? two years nearly. I know. It's crazy. Sheila is in Texas, y'all. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I've already given her some barbecue. It was amazing. Yeah. And I think tonight we're going to get some Mexican some food. Some Mexican Tex food. Tex-Mex. And we are coming to you live from the Pod Clubhouse studio. We yeah. are recording in the room where all the magic happens. <laughs> How you get your podcast is where we are recording from. I know. Um, Their setup is impressive. It here. is impressive. And we get to do this face to face. So like we are literally sitting across from each other and just very exciting. Yes. Day. So there's going to be a different kind of energy here today because we're going to be so. like playing yeah. off of each other and, you know. Steph will be telling me to stop talking and be quiet because... I'll be giving you the, like, <laughs> yeah, the cut, sign. cut sign. Like, stop. <laughs> so, um... No, just kidding. But... Oh, we also have another announcement. We have the Cole Hauser yes. interview as part of the, uh, this recording. So it'll most likely be at the end right. uh, of this so episode. Please stay so- tuned. Do not X out of it. Well, no, no, no. Wait, don't skip to the interview and no, skip our podcast. Of course not. <laughs> so, yeah. So the interview is with uh, Mike, one of our fellow podcasters. Yes. Our um, editor, editor and producer. And, yep. And Cole Hauser. So it's awesome. So Pod Clubhouse was invited to be part of the virtual press day that they had. And the the timing on it was so tight. Yeah. How long was it? Five minutes. Five minutes. Like to the second. So you and I had a bunch of questions, but... Oh, um, we could have asked a million questions. We could have had him on for an hour, I think. Yeah. Um, Five minutes is not a lot of time. But I do feel like they covered a lot of information in that time. And he gave a lot of good insights into how um, Rip is sort of reacting to uh, the introduction of... Yeah. A new character. But yeah, like five minutes it flew by. So yeah. it was one or two questions and okay, and time to wrap up. Yeah, it's really exciting though. I'm so glad we got to do that. I'm hoping okay. that we get more. Yeah. And awesome. we'll have another interview next week for you with Monica herself, Kelsey Asbile. So yeah. stay tuned for that as well. 
So what did you think of this episode overall? I actually really liked this episode. I heard some mixed reviews from it, like, oh, wasn't that, you know, as exciting and don't like the way this was handled or that. But I didn't have much beef with it. I mean, it's definitely a, a step back from the from the drama and the action, um, but it, not every episode can be like that. So we do need some episodes where we're just getting information on the on these characters and the storyline. I said, you know, in episode one that, oh, my gosh, Carter should be Rip and Beth's kid. And so <laughs> the fact that that's in this episode and that Carter came back and I'm watching that made me happy. So I'm I'm actually like glad I got to see that. I was laughing and, when I saw that because that was your prediction last yes. week and we hadn't seen episode two at that point. So, yeah, so yeah that was good. I was happy to that see that. That was a good that. prediction you had that came true. And then as a mama bear, the way he was treating Carter, I was like getting upset. I'm like, you better stop. That's not Back nice. Back off. But yeah. then I have a different perspective on it after I've given it a few days to like think about it, too. So I'm, so I'm excited to talk about that part of it, too. What did you think? I was a little disappointed. I'm going to be honest. With you. I'm, I'm in the naysayer camp. Uh, mm. Not so much that it didn't have a ton of action. It just... It just seemed to switch gears a little fast for me from where we left off last episode, where they're still recovering from the, right. you know, the assault on them and they're trying to figure out who did it. We do get some of that information here, which I feel is a good setup for, you know, the next phase of where that's going to go. So what I really mean about this, like the horse legacy bringing in Travis and like the building of the team and, and things like that, mm-hmm. I just didn't see that coming, I guess, for this episode. I was, I was figuring there was going to be some more fallout from... Right. The attack. And I mean, there was. I mean, we we have a little bit more to advance that with uh, John and Casey's conversation, even Beth's conversation with her old boss. But I don't know the 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 timing. I don't know. I feel like the the timing of this episode was like missing a beat the whole time because Mm. it was I mean, like you said, it can't just be all like action, drama, drama all the time. But I was just a little surprised at how quickly they stepped back and they're they're building season three's plot line right. as well as trying to clean up what happened from season three, which is a major plot line through season four. But there's this undercurrent now where John's looking to do things a little bit differently. So, I mean, I watched this episode a few times and I thought about it some more. And my initial feeling of it was, yeah, that it was a little lackluster in comparison. But overall, I think it was good story building when yeah. I came back to it, especially setting up Carter, who I keep in my notes calling Finn. So if I say Finn... Because his name is Finn Little, the actor. Yeah. And I keep calling him Finn in my notes. I have to change it all. Yeah, so I like the story building that they're doing there. And you'll hear the interview with Cole later. But you and I have, a, I guess, a little bit different take on how he's right. almost interpreting it. So it'll be interesting to hear where the fans are feeling, yeah. where this is going to. Because you and I, you know, we've been very close watchers for a long time. So uh, not to say that Cole Hauser, who plays Riff, is right. <laughs> but, you know, it's always open to interpretation, I think, too. And I think that's the really great part about, like, you know, what it is that we do here. I, I agree. Yeah. I have another question. Okay. What does it mean that Monica and Tate were not in this episode? That's a bit scary. Yeah. It's a bit scary that they weren't even mentioned or checked in on or present in any way. And like you said, I mean, this is a big recovery that's going to need to happen for everyone involved and for them just to not be there. It's scary. Like, where do they go? Are they sick? Are they well? Are they whole? Are they... You know, are they they on the ranch? Are they back on the reservation? You know, what's happening? So 
That was a big question. Obviously, I don't think that Taylor Sheridan does anything on accident. So I'm sure that was on purpose just to keep us intrigued and questioning like what's going on. But I definitely miss anytime Monica's not around. Yeah. And well, because of what they're doing with season four, with the continuation of the events from season three, we saw the the fallout from what happened to Monica and and Tate rather, mm-hmm. and to leave that as a as a question mark or an empty you know place at the table, so to speak. As soon as the episode ended, I was like, "Where were they?" Yeah, I could have done without like some other things, you know. Well, and, and it's like <laughs> in, you know we for them we care about the children and the animals more right. than the grown grown men or whatever. But it's like, what is Tate okay? Like you, we need to check on him. He's right. the priority. So. I think the the mama in us was like, what happened to the baby? Like, right. where'd he go? And just because of, of how quickly he defended Monica, you know, and mm-hmm. in a very Casey-like fashion, John-like fashion, that that for me was missing too. And I felt like that was like a part of the whole that I was getting out of this, this episode, yeah. that it was just like, it didn't feel well-rounded to me mm-hmm. because I think bringing Mon- and like you said, Taylor Sheridan, we're not critiquing that, but as avid story followers we're just like where are they because yeah. of the, of what just happened yeah like literally just a couple of weeks ago because yeah. the timeline hasn't advanced that far i missed them for sure mm-hmm. and it was as soon as the credits rolled i was like wait i need to check in with them <laughs> right. so i'm hoping that episode three opens with monica and tate because i i need to know where they're at yeah. Um, and I feel like the longer that they leave it, the worse it's going to get. Right. <laughs> like when they finally do come back in, then it's going to be oh, like, no. oh boy. Oh no. It's pretty harsh. Yeah. So right. I think overall in this episode though, we see, like you said, a step back, but we're going to see John and Casey making some plans. John is here talking about a legacy all of a sudden and needing to make the ranch bigger and more well-known. And I'm thinking... As Casey pointed out, like, dude, how are you going to pay for all that? Like, what is, why is the train of thought there? But apparently that's where he's at. And we're going to be working on a legacy. uh, He wants his name to be, you know, well known outside of Montana and where they are. So that's a different direction than I thought John would really be going. Not only just survival mode and like protecting my ranch mode. Now he's thinking that I'm going to grow this ranch into even more a bigger brand. So that was kind of new thought process for me. I was a little shocked that he was going to legacy building so soon after all of these events because also not all that long ago in the timeline, the cattle battle in mm-hmm. season two where the Becks took out so many of their cattle I don't know if they financially recovered from yeah, that because that was a the... big blow. And I remember John saying at that time that I'm not a rich man in right. terms of like liquid cash. Like whereas people assume that he has, you know, just money flowing, you know, you can throw bundles of money into the fire. Whereas his cash is more tied up in, in a commodity. Yeah. He doesn't have the resources to make yeah. that happen. It sounds like they're barely making ends meet as a ranch, as a business. Yeah. I mean, a couple of times, like we heard, like the, the ranch barely breaks yeah. even between payroll and, and, and expenses. And then in season three, we saw some of this this stuff coming in with, with Travis, in, played by Taylor Sheridan. And he was talking about like horses being $5 million. Mm-hmm. They don't have that kind of cash laying around. So it was just like, okay. And then with the, the properties we'll talk about the properties that beth was buying up through schwartz and meyer that you know i just feel that there was not a lot of cash going around because basically the yellowstone was going to benefit in years to come yeah from these property easements and the tax breaks that were coming 
My only thought as to why John is on this thought process is companies or families and businesses that have a good longstanding legacy Mm -hmm. reputation sort of can do no wrong, right? I've heard of the King Ranch my whole life. I've grown up here in Texas. I don't know where it is. Have I seen the trucks driving around? Yes. Have I seen King Ranch uh, merchandise? Of course. Have I eaten King Ranch cattle? I don't know. Like Probably. But when something has been in your life for that long, you don't really question it. So I don't know if the King Ranch is a good place or a bad place. I have no idea. Right. But it's there. It's every. It's in my everyday life. I see. It's established. Yeah. For you. So yeah. I'm not questioning the King Ranch. Right. It's not part of what I care about. So my only thought was maybe John just thinks, well, if we're well known and we have a good reputation as a business, then people won't question our rep- reputation as people. I don't know. That might be kind of far-fetched, but that was really my only way that I was kind of trying to connect this because I don't know where he's coming up with this plan because they don't have the cash. So So you actually just prompted like one of the questions that I had sort of floating around in my mind is like, why does he think that having this brand, and I'm going to use that word in air quotes, guys, because, you know, (laughs) it means a couple of different things when you're talking about the Yellowstone, but when he's talking about having a brand and having a legacy, he talked about some very specific things that the King Ranch has that they're protected from. Like, like they're not subject to the same types of encroachments that are happening to the Duttons between land developers, between the, the Native mm-hmm. American reservation, from corporations. So does he think that following in something is established, to your point, as the King Ranch will insulate them differently? I think so. I think that's where his only option is at this point, right? If you have a better reputation or a better established brand, then people don't really want to take you out or really want to question you as much. I mean, you're we trust brands all the time without knowing where they're getting their products, how they're making them, because we see their marketing or whatever. Right. They just become trusted. It works right. because they be, the name is mentioned so often that you just, it's part of your every day, you start to trust it. So- I think that's where he's going with it is he just needs to become a trusted brand so that people stop trying to like tear him down, I guess. I don't know. I was also wondering if it speaks to, I don't know if I'm diving too deep here, but does it speak to his faith in his kids to deliver and maybe on Tate as well? Because Mm. like that's the future of the ranch because there's no other person for a legacy. It's just now housed in one person. He's lost kids through yeah. through cattle battle, like actually losing a child with Lee, losing a child in Jamie through mm-hmm. the course of events that have happened. So I was just wondering if it had maybe something to do with like his, I don't know, maybe his faith in his kids. I don't know. That You're needs, saying that he has a lack of faith in his kids that, and he needs a legacy to keep his ranch going? Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like I was yeah. like maybe posing it as a question, like, you know, is he worried that he's going to run out of sons. Well, yeah. Right? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm using that word, though that term from season two when he inducted Rip into the family, right. so to speak. That's a good point because he doesn't have a whole lot of people that he can really trust with this ranch and he's got to find a way to keep it going, I guess. So, interesting. Yeah. that will be interesting to see what yeah. other people think about that and see where this goes. Before we move on, I just wanted to you know, ask you, um, did you know that Taylor Sheridan was such a avid horse rider that he can actually do <laughs> the stuff that they show? Only because you and I have have discussed Taylor Sheridan before and that he owns a ranch and owns horses and rides himself. So 
other than that, I wouldn't have known. But I mean, he <laughs> it's so funny when I see him on the screen. I'm thinking part of me thinks like he just wants to be on TV. Like <laughs> he just wants to show <laughs> that he can do all these things, but, which is nothing wrong with that. But it is. But he can walk the walk. You yes, know? exactly. He knows what he's talking about. So I didn't know that he could. I don't even know what that's called when they slide the horses. <laughs> Is that the horse cutting? Is no, cutting is when they were like cutting back and forth. Oh, to, right. To like sliding. Yeah. Sliding. sliding. So, you know, I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I didn't I'm know that he was. I'm not going to get on a horse and try that. <laughs> I didn't know he had that, like, you know, those kind of skills. So, you know, not only is he making like, you know, blockbuster TV shows and spinoffs that are looking really, really good. Yeah. He can also like walk right. the cowboy walk. Yeah. So. I thought that was pretty cool. So I feel that if he's looking to build a legacy and Travis is somebody that he seems to trust, we might see more mm-hmm. of him. So um, maybe we'll get to see some more skills and some more cowboys doing kind of cool things with horses. <laughs> that Where I come from, we don't ever get to see. I don't think there's any like rodeo type events. Oh, I love going to the rodeo. Yeah. So, um, it's so much because fun. I'm recording here live in Texas, I was having a conversation with Paul from pot clubhouse earlier and he's like, Hey, you should come back in February when like it's rodeo month and yes. there's all these types of events. And I just think it'd be really fun. It is so much fun. The Houston rodeo is uh, like no other though. I mean, it's amazing. Well, this is where cowboying was invented. Yeah. And they, uh, they make it a really big event and really fun. And the arena is massive and the crowd is massive. And the, I'm sure the energy is just just like off the charts. Awesome. And when a cowboy stays on that bull for eight seconds, I mean, oh, I'm sure the arena, everyone just explodes. It's awesome. That's so cool. I've seen some pretty like bad like injuries though. It's hard to watch, but I yeah. think it's so much fun. <laughs> so definitely come back. Speaking of riding horses, John is not supposed to be galloping off into the sunrise. Like, what are you doing? I love He's that. Casey's about like, like springing a leak. <laughs> springing a leak. But I like that his point is like, if I die doing this and so what? Like that and I like that mentality. Like, if this is what I love, this is who I am. I'm not going to sit in a bed and just wait to die. So I like that he's just like, whatever, I'm going to do what I need to do for myself. And I like that. So there's this funny banter between him and Casey when he's like, dude, are you trying to get yourself killed? Like, I'm going to tell you I told you so. All this stuff. He's like, I don't care. Like, if I die doing this and yeah, so bury be it. me where you find me. Kind yeah. of thing. It was such a an authentic kind yeah. of a statement from him. But I wanted to ask you, and I don't know like where the shift kind of happened for me, but I think their relationship is like so much easier now. Mm-hmm. The, the conversation between them prior, especially like season two, season three was so yeah. tense and so much like you're forcing me to do something that I don't want to do. Whereas now maybe post the assault on the family that Casey has a different mentality. I just find the conversation between them is just so much more natural. That's a really good observation. I think you're right. And I'm trying to think about it. I can't remember the last time. I think it was season three that Casey again said something about being forced to be the livestock commissioner. And this is what you chose for me. And so that wasn't that long ago that he said that. And now you're right. He seems more 
um, involved or in this role. John-like? Like, yeah. I don't know. Or at least maybe coming over to see John's point of view a little bit more. You know, That's a good point. Like, what was the shift for him, though? What, keep in mind. The because very, if I saw my family get attacked, it wouldn't make me want to stay around more. Right. But, you know, the thing that so when like the attack on Casey's office happened at the end of season three, he was on the phone with Monica and mm-hmm. he was telling her like he was just approached to potentially you know replace oh, the governor right. mm-hmm. and you know she was like you know you took this job in the hopes that like you know we'd see you and now we never see you and now what's this going to bring so i don't know i think that might have been like a boost to his confidence that maybe he never thought possible oh, that's before true. and it's an honor that was not bestowed upon his dad that's a really good observation and oh, connection sheila I, we I shall try. see what happens. But I you're try. right. John and Casey seem to have a lot easier time talking in a in a different connection now. It's less teenage boy mm-hmm. rebelling against his dad and much more of an adult mature kind of a, like a partnership kind yeah. of thing. So And John stopped scolding Casey as well. So yeah. that helps. So they are sitting in this hot spring, which looks very relaxing. And they are discussing who instigated these attacks. Beth thinks it's Jamie. John says, what do you think? So Casey says, nobody's going to work with Jamie. It's not them. That the militia did it themselves. And he also makes a point of saying that Jamie leased the land. He didn't sell the land. Yeah, I like that he kind of, he pointed that out. Like, Jamie did what he did, but he also kind of protected you in the same decision. So providing you with a revenue stream. Yes. You know, so... So he and like he doesn't, you know, you're not going to shoot the people you're trying to win approval from. So I feel like Jamie is a I'm going to toss up. I mean, I'm going to raise an eyebrow here. Exactly. It's it's unknown. But I like that Casey kind of tried to, you know, Casey seems to find the good in Jamie Mm -hmm. where nobody else else wants to. Well, we can't say nobody else because it's really Beth and John who've given Jamie the hardest of hard times. Yeah. Rip even seems to be on, well, seemed prior to be a little partial to Jamie, I guess, not knowing the full story with Beth. Um, He was always decent to Jamie. And, you know, Jamie made a point of saying that, like, you were always decent. I think he actually says those words. Either you're good to me or decent to me. Mm -hmm. And Casey, you know, strives to find the good in Jamie as well. I don't think Jamie's out of this. Just yet. I don't either. Um, There was just too much of a perfect storm kind of a setup for him at the end of season three that I don't think that he's he's innocent. No, agreed. Yeah. And Jamie trying to say that the militia wouldn't do this for him. They would just do it themselves. You know, basically, it's almost like saying that Jamie's not smart enough to like have pulled this off, I think. Maybe. I'm just going to put a pin in that because there's no way... Jamie doesn't have some some connection to some this. connection yeah, still for sure. because his dad has man his dad no he's he wants to cause this yeah he's really separation. looking to you know it's funny because like when we went back I, I listened to like our last podcast and when we were talking about of season three last podcast of season three and we talked about the title of that episode it was like the world is purple mm-hmm. and like through the course of your conversation with me we kind of came to the realization that like purple was a royal color. Yeah. And, you know, he's talking about killing the king and, and, you know, taking down royalty and how do you do that? You got to kill the king. So there's too much there for me to be like, Jamie, you are like, you're exonerated and and you can go about your business. I agree. There's something there for sure. But the plan is apparently we're just going to kill all the militia. That's it. 
but not kill Jamie. So of all, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So Jamie still gets a free pass, yeah, I suppose. Because well, they, they still we don't, don't know. know. Yeah, but. It's funny because I think you and I thought of everybody else but, but the militia. We talked about the gang from California. We talked about Jamie. We talked about Rainwater and Angela. I mean, I have never been in a militia, Sheila. But I can't talk about those days. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking that their motivation is purely money. And, you know, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing. But they're not going to just do it for fun, right? They want to get paid by other people to do these crimes. So unless they're looking for retribution for what was done to them. Uh, I mean, I guess. Right. Because like a bunch of their guys got killed yeah. in that firefight with the Becks way back when, um, two seasons ago at this point. So maybe it's their pride. It's just a vengeance. Like they yeah. just don't like John Dutton. Yeah. And you know, like you killed my, my buddy and you killed my brother. Okay. And I don't know. I just don't feel that they have a very high moral fiber. So I think that <laughs> they might just, you know, <laughs> Maybe do this one pro bono. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I use the pro bono, right? So mm-hmm. I'm kind of bringing it back to a lawyer here. I I just don't think that Jamie is off the hook. I, I don't, don't either. We didn't see anything happen with the militia or them finding out anything more this episode. So I'm, I'm assuming we have to stay tuned for, yeah. for more there. So Jamie, Jamie yeah, is, uh, he's, he's out property hunting. Yeah. My first thought was, where did he get all the money? And then my second thought was, oh, yeah, you leased the land. Leased the land. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, he's, so he's buying this seemingly pretty large plot of land above the la- uh, river and below the river or whatever. So it's beautiful. It's warm springs. Yeah. And Who's he going to live there with, his dad? I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking his that's dad is going to be part of this because... I don't know, just knowing what we know of, you know, the Dutton Ranch, there's there's a whole gaggle of people that they employ. But why does Jamie need a ranch? He's wearing a suit. Yeah. He doesn't ride horses. Well, I you don't... know, do you remember the, the stint that Jamie had in the bunkhouse? Did, well, did he yeah. look natural no. or normal in jeans? <laughs> no. They never fit him. They were like rolled up to his knee. I don't know. It just, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really work for you me. You weren't wearing the right cut. <laughs> I'm not sure why he wants a ranch or if he's just tired of being homeless, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and now he's got a family with mm. his dad, at least trying to have a family. Like, I mean, his dad's still in the picture and his dad's giving him advice, like fatherly advice, and he seems to be taking it. So doing it for himself, he said. So we'll see. I guess he just needs that. Like yeah. you said, like to do something on his own, buy my own house, like. It's interesting, though, that he's buying a ranch that has, like, the infrastructure, yeah. like, conveying with the property. So, um, I just feel like he'd buy, he'd buy more of a Dan Jenkins kind of beautiful, yeah. modern, modern, like, you know. wine cellar kind of house. Yeah. <laughs> Updated plumbing for some yeah, reason. Yeah. So. It's sticking out. But I don't know. There's something that the real estate agent said is that the Wild West was won through guns and like subterfuge, but death and taxes is how they're going to lose it. And then yep. I was like, okay, that line kind of stuck with me afterwards. And I was like, it feels kind of ominous given like all that the Duttons have had go on with them. And he's losing, he's lost Lee. Mm-hmm. John's lost Jamie now, essentially. Casey's got Tate, right? So there's, there's your legacy. So I was wondering if there's something to do with, you know, like that line just coming back to like haunt the Duttons. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll just have to watch and see. Maybe that's where this legacy thing is it's reinforcing that he needs to do something in order to protect his ranch yeah, and protect his family in another way, in a different way. 
So I got one of my big questions from season three answered with Beth having mm-hmm. her meeting of the minds with her former employer, Bob, from Bob. Schwartz and Meyer, <laughs> looking particularly terrified, I think, sitting there with Beth in front of him in her scarred glory, I suppose. Um, yeah. It was pretty hard to see her kind of bare her shoulder just to show the damage that's been done to her. So one of my big questions was when she got fired at the end of season three from Schwartz and Meyer, my immediate concern was, oh, my God, she bought all that land. Right. For Schwartz and Meyer. So For Schwartz and Meyer it, yeah. under their umbrella. Mm-hmm. And when, when Willa from Market Equities had said, you know, you're fired. And that was my immediate concern. So I got an answer now that Beth did plan yeah. for all scenarios and they co-own the Yellowstone co-owns the land. So I was like, oh, girl, you are good. I know. She is the bigger bear. She really is. It's Mm -hmm. like you just cannot compete with her cunning, her ability. Like, I would never want to play a game of chess. I would lose on the first move. She'd be like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and you've lost. And there's your, give me your queen. Right. So, yeah, so I was very excited that we got an answer to that question. And, but now... I guess going forward. That's a bigger mess. Yeah. What does this mean now going forward? So like if you're co-owning land, you're kind of in a stalemate. Mm-hmm. One's got to sue the other. Yep. For You've got to get into a legal battle. So I guess it's just a protracted fight. But again, I come back to Jamie and I come back to the liquidity of the Yellowstone. Like if Jamie's now no longer the corporate attorney yeah. for the Yellowstone, you know, doing his... Five, six, seven hundred dollars an hour work as part of you know living on the ranch. Yeah, where does this kind of leave them? Yeah, because Beth's not a lawyer. Jamie already fully pointed that out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, kind of making fun of her for some little small faux pas with power of attorney being filed in different states. But I'm just you know I'm I'm looking at this as another like subplot point to kind of keep an eye on now what happens to that land. Now that they're co-owning it and what other thing has Beth planned for? <laughs> I'm that sure she we, has a plan. I'm sure. Exactly. You know, so like she just took the bishop and now she's going after <laughs> the knight, you know. I'm glad that that question got answered and I'm glad that it's working out in Beth's favor at the moment. Like it, it did give her a minute of an upper hand yeah. where Bob thought he had her and she's like, bitch, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, we've said it before, but it's just... Fun to watch how she makes it's. She enjoys making men feel inferior, small, and her, to her, and it is just kind of funny. Yeah, she does. She does it really well, and yeah. like, I just feel like the longer we're we see Beth, the better she's getting at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the very first time we met her in season one. She was you know dressing down this corporate CEO of some yeah. company that they were taking insulting over. his clothes or whatever. Yeah, and he insults her under his breath, and she's like, "I just put your kid through college. I just saved your house. Like you know, a bit of gratitude." She's got that poise back. Like she's got that control back. Where mm-hmm. I feel that she's kind of gone off. Like I, Rourke, for, for whatever reason, last season really got under her skin. Yeah, and she was frazzled by him or rattled not maybe not frazzled i think rattled is a better word for it you know that's when she said about the trailer park and you know you know you're the trailer park i'm the tornado and things yeah. like that i just feel like she lost some of that cool last season and i think it's back now i think she's regaining a a sense of herself so beth has a big episode not, not beyond that part of it like she gets this this 
She gets a kid. <laughs> well, you know, you <laughs> get of. you get a big pat on the back because we talked about this for episode one, and we joked around that this was like the best uh, little rip yes. <laughs> reincarnated that there could possibly be. I love this part of the episode. It's just so funny, and <laughs> it's funny to me too how there there's not actually a whole lot of conversation around him joining or coming or and even when rip comes home from work and she whistles at him like he's she doesn't really say a whole lot about it so it's so funny to me that this whole situation is sort of unspoken but yet happening and does rip really stand a chance of fighting back on anything with her he pushes back a little bit he could he could but he doesn't really get far yeah i think that's just so funny she just knows Rip, and she knows, like, okay, okay, guys, have a good night. I'm going to go upstairs. Like, you work it out. Come on. <laughs> so it's like, I love that Rip is like, okay, you played my lady, but you're not playing me, man. Come on. I just love that he referred to her as his lady, mm-hmm. and I know that that's, you know, a term of endearment, or it might be, you know, seen as condescending in some people's eyes, but I just feel like from him, it's so genuine. Like, it's my lady. Well, she's been calling him dear. Yeah. Which is so... But I don't know, from him, because like... Yeah, it feels... Because she can kind of throw dear out in... Hello, dear. In a very, you know, sarcastic kind of a way. Sometimes a very endearing kind of a way. But for him to say my lady, it's just an acknowledgement that, you know, there's something beyond himself. And Mm -hmm. that makes me happy. That he has that kind of acceptance, I guess. Uh, the ki- she's like the kid likes her hamburger helper. He's like, what kid, Beth? <laughs> what kid? Seriously. So I mean, the the whole hamburger helper, tuna helper thing. I just loved this for as a showcase of where Beth and Rip are in terms of their relationship. That they can be this sort of vulnerable. I guess it is because you know. She doesn't know any better. She's had someone cook for her her whole life. She's like, they make tuna helper? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, you've not been to a grocery store in the last 25 years, lady. But I just liked how this this little, it was like a a cute setup for the introduction of Carter to, to Rip. I just liked where the show, the the writing is making their relationship go. It's just showing yes. that there's a level of comfortability with these two, that they can be goofy with each other. Yeah. And this is, I think, as goofy as these two can get. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is as flirty and silly as they Yeah. I mean, you know, the wolf sounds in the corral last season, that was mm-hmm. cute. But um, I like this. I, I just like this whole little... This is play back and forth between them. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So Carter gets introduced and, uh, yeah, basically almost word for word for what you said. It's like, you know, I hope they get a kid. You're like, I think we got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's just happened. It just makes sense. Like it was I, sad, though, how yeah. it came about. And you're going to be like, cynical Sheila is back. <laughs> so when Sheriff Donnie brings Carter to the Yellowstone, you know, he said that he brought him here because this kid said that this was her next of his next of kin, that it was Beth. And <laughs> it's just his prospects were so bleak. Yeah. But like the conniving part of me or the cynical part of me is like this kid played Beth, I think. I think he's smarter than he's letting on. Mm-hmm. And I think he's playing on some maternal emotion or something that he got from Beth. Mm-hmm. You remember when I said like last episode when like she like touched his head yes. and like I don't know. I've, this is the cynical part of me. I, I feel like he's setting her up that, you know, like I 
could hitch my wagon to this woman and be set for the rest of my life. Right. I don't want to believe this part, but I think he's playing a role right now where he's being this vulnerable little kid and he's, you know, playing on her emotions. Okay. Well, see, I think the naive part of me doesn't see that and or think of it. And it's like, oh, he needs a place to stay. He needs a mommy. Like, so I don't think that you're wrong necessarily or that's not what I'm saying. But I don't I didn't think of that because that's not like, I don't know. I should have thought of that. You know what I mean? Like I should have wondered what his motivation was. And I think that's where Rip is at. Rip's like, okay, dude, like, I see you. I see well, what you're doing. Exactly what I think Where is as for me, I was like, oh, come on, Rip, like, be nicer to him. He just needs a place to stay. But now I see, um, and having watched the episode again and given it more thought, like, Rip's not fooled. Right. And he's he like, okay, dude, mirage. like, come on. You're just ask. And I like that Rip pointed out, you didn't ask me for anything. You didn't ask for help. You're just expecting it. You're just eating dinner here and, and yeah. you know expecting a bed and that's true he didn't ask and he didn't say please will you help me i have no other options he's like what are you gonna do now you know so he's sort of taunting rip and like what are you gonna do kick me out like yeah dude i am because you're you're not asking and you're you're not being grateful or like contributing like contributing to why you need to stay here like Right. You know, I would be begging, like asking, please, right. I have nowhere else to go. Can I please can have something I stay to eat? Here? Like, what can, what can I do yes. to help you to stay here? Like not sort of expecting it or like, like Rip has said, thinking you deserve it. Right. I'm a little bit understanding Rip's point of view a little bit more now that I've given it some thought. But my initial reaction was like, stop being mean to my my baby. Well, that's exactly <laughs> where I was at too. I was like, damn, I was like, he's being so mean to him. And then I was like, oh, wait, maybe he sees through the BS. Mm-hmm. Maybe he sees, you know, this kid kind of falling upon the right person at yeah. the right time to hitch his wagon to. And, you know, in the state of Montana, like there ain't nobody bigger than the Dutton. So I think he's a lot smarter than yeah. he's letting on. And I, I don't know, I get, I, I try, try not to be cynical, but, <laughs> but the fact that like Rip has sort of this, he like recoils from this kid and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, wants him out as fast as he's, you know, sort of darkening the door. His reaction kind of made me bristle a little bit like that and be like, well, why is he thinking like, why is he acting like that? And I was like, maybe he sees through this kid and, you know, and like you said, he didn't ask for anything. He was just like expecting expecting it. it. So, although I did find it really funny that Rip has this change of heart and, (laughs) Um, Maybe he's just scared of coming home without the kid and Beth being like, what did you do? Oh, my God. Right. And leave him on the side of the road. (laughs) No, but he brings him to the bunkhouse and they're in there and they are, you know, using all of the profanity that they possibly can. And the the language situation was just not okay. (laughs) So funny. For Rip to have this kid in the bunkhouse and brings him back. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He's back eating and then the next day she actually made hamburger helper so that's good right exactly <laughs> i haven't had hamburger helper in oh i couldn't tell you last i mean time. and now like quite a talking while about it, i'm like i it's can so taste good it. do you remember like, it's just salty goodness it is good so there might be a bump in hamburger helper sales maybe because, I so. <laughs> because we'll all be like i'm going to reminisce about my childhood <laughs> i'm sorry to the hamburger helper people but tuna helper is disgusting no, no, it's not. Um, and I like tuna, but no, no, no. I'm a no on that helper one. is where it's at yeah. for sure. No, I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that. So funny. So, can we talk about rainwater? Of course. So, I'll set the stage up for you here. So, the skeleton is found, like this this human yes 
head, skull. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. 100% we know that this is the link back to the 1893 scene that we saw last episode, right? 100%. Okay, yeah. Oh, I was like fully convinced. Okay. (laughs) Only because like they found the buffalo head. Yeah. Right, the horns. That had the... The, the painting horns, on it, yeah. and so it was like the buffalo skull because I'm sure there was going to be a ritual. I'm assuming that it's Moe's family line that was in that 1893 scene that we saw at the be- in the middle of uh, episode one, mm-hmm. and then we kind of figured that one of the two kids was John's grandfather based on right. like the the dates and how old he is and things like that. So John's great grandfather allows the you know the burial to happen. So I assumed that there was going to be a ritual. Mm-hmm. burial that's why when the skull was found with the buffalo head i was like oh okay i i was convinced that this is the direct correlation okay. of that scene and then um almost like a, a newfound way for like the john dutton mm-hmm. rainwater alliance to like resurface mm-hmm. again like they'll have to like join forces again how reluctantly they end up doing that <laughs> um they just keep getting forced to be on the same side and both of them have like this really bad taste in their yeah. mouth about it but <laughs> We get this introduction, right? The market equities CEO, and her name is Jackie Weaver. She's an Australian actress, but she is giving me such poltergeist vibes. She is serious business. But do you know the the actress that I'm talking about? So did you see Poltergeist as a kid? It's one of those like horrid (laughs) 80s movies that, you know, scars people for life. Well, because we're sitting together, I will show you what she reminds me of or who she reminds me of. She reminds me of Tangina from Poltergeist. And when I show you the picture, you're going to be like, um, yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's so funny. Um, Yeah. So in talking to Paul earlier about, you know, the setup here and and how this is going to be different than what we do at home. He said Caroline said the same thing, that she was definitely getting, like, Tangina vibes yeah. from Poltergeist. And go, Caroline! Yeah, so her name was Zelda Rubenstein, um, but this is not the same actress. But it was just her her demeanor and her very affected way of speaking. So that's the vibe that I was getting, but I was just, mm-hmm. like, I was just really, I don't know, I was, like, taken in by this lady. Yeah, she had a presence. Yeah. Very Beth-like. Yeah, Very, very sure of herself, right? And so she said, that was Ella Steele that m- met her. I mean, she even put him in his place and like, go get my coffee or whatever she said. <laughs> or go get my whatever. A bag or bag. Thing. And, and it was like, he was like, late. wait, what? Like, I okay. felt like he was being like a scolded child. Yes. Um, and, as opposed like, to. Look what you have done. Right. And now as, I'm here As opposed to, to being it. a trusted work um, presence for Colleague. Her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is not. You know, she's there for a reason and she wants this project to move forward. And so she's willing. It sounds like she's just they're going to make it happen. So this will be really interesting to watch. So she's above Willa Hayes. Like she's Willa Hayes' boss. So yeah. So she's like the board of directors. She's the chair of the board of directors. So like they all kind of like funnel up to her if it's a pyramid that we're looking at. This conversation between her and Ellis. Mm hmm. They're kind of saying that they didn't have anything to do with the violence against the Duttons. Ellis actually says that. He says the violence against the Duttons is unrelated to our work. And I was just sitting there and I sat back. I paused it for a minute because I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because she even says you're not going to intimidate people who blow up buildings at three o'clock on a Friday. And I was just like, "Okay, so market equities remove themselves from it. So like we're getting... Mm-hmm. I feel like we're just getting closer back to Jamie. It's almost like they were sad that they didn't think of it They're first. Like, yeah. Like, like we don't go around blowing up buildings, but. Right. And this awful line that she says that Montana is just poverty with a view. <laughs> I know. Like, that is just horrendous because just a couple of seasons ago, you know, the Dan Jenkins of the world were saying how much wealth there is in Montana. Right. And even Beth, I think, in a conversation with him saying, like, how many millionaires are sitting around this. Right. 
this bar. I don't know. I don't know where she's getting her opposition research, but uh, poverty with a view. I was like, I was like, damn, I was like, you are going to offend a lot of people who love Montana. Right. But I guess that's, you know, her, her position. She's a lightning rod and she's going to, um, she's going to force things along the way that she does. And she's, she's got a very Beth way about her. She's very forceful. And so she meets with Chairman Rainwater and this whole interplay between them. I love it. He's so skeptical and he's yeah. so distrusting. So too good to be true. Like what, what, and what will I do for you? And what's the point? You know? So you're going to laugh at me. So she comes to, to Rainwater with this amazing, yeah. too good to be Sounds true offer. Amazing, yeah. We're going to fund your build, but we want to influence, you know, the $25,000 at your blackjack table, the $1,000 on dinner, Elton John yeah. seats for $1,000, <laughs> all in exchange for stopping delays. Go in the rewind machine. Go back in time. This is exactly what Rainwater Offered to Dan Jenkins. Sign on with us. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll annex the land. We'll fund your build. And look what happened to Dan Jenkins. Right. As a result of hitching their wagons together. Very true. So I'm wondering if Rainwater is not doing the calculated math here and saying, I don't know if I want to get in bed with these people because of how things have turned out prior. Right. Not to necessarily say that the partnership between Jenkins and Rainwater is what led to Dan Jenkins' demise, but the too good to be true offer yes, was where too good to be so true part of it. Dan was in, yeah. you know, the, like Rainwater's position just a couple of seasons ago up against the cease and desist or right rainwater now has a cease and desist order from market equities and the build is is starting for the airport now he's in the position where he's going to get this like too good to be true offer and like right. what does he do with this i would be surprised if he doesn't reference dan jenkins at some point and how these types of partnerships right. backfire for yeah. the person for can, somebody can backfire for somebody and it's never as good as it seems very true i think that and that's what he said to Mo. Mo was like, well, yeah, I mean, it probably is. So, you know, all you can do is read the contract, I guess. Let's see what happens. So and we learned that if you don't read the fine print, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. Beth is your co-owner. Beth's going <laughs> to own your life. We'll see what happens. But I like this character. I think she is a troublemaker. And she's I, dynamite. Yeah, I love it. I want to see more of her Me only too. because of just how much she stirred a pot in yeah. five or ten. No, it wasn't even ten minutes. It was like five minutes that we just saw her. She was quick. And I like she's like, I can't wait to pave this, pave this place yeah. over. I kind of wanted more of that presence from Angela Blue Thunder. Like she was there and she has a strong presence and then she has kind of faded away. And I wanted that um, arrival from her because remember how Mo was scared to meet her. And so that's kind of what I was expecting. And then we got it with this character caroline warner so i'm surprised that angela actually hasn't been back because yeah. of her role in this deal yeah right because it was all hopefully she will i when, like her yeah when they had that meeting in the conference room and she was saying you know the the environmental impact like that's all still ongoing i can yes. only imagine yeah I, I do think that uh we'll see her again i hope so anyway because now you're piling on all of this female power Mm-hmm. In a very male-heavy world, male-dominated world of the ranch, the bunkhouse, Chairman Rainwater, like there's not a lot of women in that whole realm. So now you've got any of the female characters they brought in, like one is like becoming stronger than the other. And it's yeah. like, you know, we, we we thought we would have like the big meeting of the minds with Beth and Angela last season. Um, we had that to some extent, but it wasn't as powerful as we kind of yeah, imagined I thought it, it would be. be. Yeah. But now I feel like the like, conditions are ripe for like a girl cat fight kind of a, <laughs> in a boardroom kind of a, yeah. a way. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I, hope, I hope we see more of her. Though. I yes, really do. Because sure. I liked her, her presence. And if she says Carol Ann, I'm going to run for the hills <laughs> 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 because of the poltergeist connection. <laughs> 
another one of those movies that I saw as a young child that I probably should not have watched mm-hmm. when I did. Just random thought in my head that I'm I do a TV and movie podcast role because I was not allowed to watch anything growing up. I was really? very sheltered. Oh wow. Like in in um pop culture and in media. So I have not seen probably most of the movies that my age range have grew up with. Um, probably should not have watched when exactly, we did. Exactly. But I think, you know, my parents were just being protective. But it's funny because my kid, people, my kids know about all these movies, I guess. And so they come home, Mommy, have you seen Chucky? I'm like, actually, no, I haven't. Like, I've never seen that movie. It's terrifying. I saw it as a kid. I was probably, I probably was about 10. I just I feel like I have out. a lot more homework to do for these episodes because I haven't seen all this background, like, pop culture that you guys know. Like, I don't have that. I um, saw Exorcist when I was seven and I'm scarred for life yeah, as a result. I have not seen that either. Yeah. It's, a, it's truly, sorry for the tangent, but it's truly like one of the scariest movies <laughs> I think I've ever seen. But Poltergeist is definitely a scary movie. And then when you just read about sort of the lore that kind of sprung up around it, it, it definitely was a, a, a lightning rod of a moment for like people of my age anyway that mm-hmm. um, that saw it when they probably shouldn't have. Sorry. Little Anyways, there. But squirrel. yeah, go look up Zelda Rubenstein and tell me she does not look like Jackie Weaver, <laughs> the actress who plays uh, Caroline Warner. So who's left? Um, our bunkhouse boys and Jimmy and Taylor Sheridan, a.k.a. Travis, and their fancy ranch boys. Okay, their ranch bunkhouse boys are a little bit fancier than ours. They are a little bit fancier, but they have nowhere near the same personality. No. Did you pick up on the flirting that was going on between, yes. tweet, uh, between Tweeter? <laughs> oh, leave that in. That's so funny. Um, between Teeter and, and Travis. Travis. I almost said Taylor, but. Yes. So it kind of was like, ew, no. I don't know. I got the. I, got I didn't the, like, like it. Come on, man. Really? Um, I was like, listen, like you were. I mean, don't get me wrong. Teeter is thirsty for anything that comes her way. And <laughs> I don't know. You and I were talking about this in the, like the show prep that you know I was like there's not a lot of teeter like mm-hmm. but she's made her splash right yeah, she's established she's, she's part of the crew she'll be there but I just feel like there's nothing between her and Colby that they're gonna highlight or show yeah but yeah I was not I was not digging the flirting Mm-mm. between these two He's like girl that's Arkansas not Texas I'm like oh don't tell the people you're from what? Texas. <laughs> Oh, well, I feel possessive of Texas now yes. because, you know, of you I'm guys. always possessive and, of Texas. Um, you know, anytime I come to Texas, I I love Texas. I love just the people. It's just they're my kind of people because I'm loud. <laughs> Texans are known for being boisterous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just appreciate, you know, the the fact that they're they're kind of calling out Teeter for her accent and like cuz we even said last week like you like you do no not sound like you're from Texas, Texas at all. And he's kind of proving it. So I I I liked this interplay between them, but I was like, no no no, you guys no no, back away, back away. That's mm-hmm. not your girl. But Travis um is coming through like so much more of his personality cuz we've only seen him like in little drips and drabs yeah. here, but I feel like this episode we got a little bit more from him. I love the fact that he gives Rip a saddle as a wedding present. Like, that's really sweet. I love that he said anytime a girl's taken off the market, I get an email. <laughs> <laughs> You're the gatekeeper of all the women. Okay. All the women. Not, not just the horses. Yeah, like, right? It's all the women in general. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I like their banter 
between the Buckhouse Boys, but even Rip and Travis and just the way that they even deliver those lines. It's very natural and just funny and that, you know, like guy talk, like they're going to they're ragging on each other and and laughing and having a good time. And it's like a language that only a few of them speak. So it's very quick. It's very natural. It's very familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, The conversation between John and Travis, even in this episode, like so much got conveyed in such a short amount of time about like what John's intentions are in building that legacy. And I was just like, did I miss something? Like, is there a contract? Like, like, what are they doing? Like, no, they're no, they're, they didn't even talk. They didn't even talk numbers or anything. Specify a number. And he was like, how much he actually wants to do. He just wants a stake. Yeah. In, in all three forms. He's like, he's like, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But I'm like, okay, now what are all three forms of writing? The only thing I could come up with and please forgive my ignorance. (laughs) The three kinds of horses are right. Like, I thought, ah, yeah. I mean, it was unclear what they were talking about. It was very nebulous, right? It was very, you know, sort of abstract. Like, I I want in. You want in? Okay, I got you. I want in the winner's circle. (laughs) So for me, the winner's circle, I took it as for what he's looking to do and the rodeo part that he's, you know, that John is aware of and part of would be like rodeo riding, like the competition rodeo stuff. You know, the sliding, the cutting, spinning, like all those little Cap roping and yeah. yeah, so that would be like that type of horse competitions, right? The rodeo competitions, and I would imagine like thoroughbred racing or thoroughbred horses. So I feel like racing, like horse racing, is in, is where the money's at. Like right, but I don't, I don't know that a ranch owner from Texas is is racing thoroughbreds or maybe raising thoroughbreds. Maybe, maybe raising, for, yes. And then, then I was thinking breeding mm-hmm. would be like the three types it would be thoroughbreds competition rodeo and breeding so if i'm wrong i apologize yeah i don't know because it was not clear from i do not own a horse (laughs) don't know (laughs) and you even like did some homework yeah i'm not trying to figure out how to my fellow my friend who owns a ranch and she was like what she's like well i have 14 horses this one does barrel racing this one does i'm like oh so even within the competition sphere of rodeo there's different horses that do different things so like there's not maybe a lot of overlap well i i guess not because like a swimmer a human swimmer is is not not necessarily going to be like a runner like a runner like unless he's a triathlete and those are only you know 0.2 percent (laughs) oh two percent of like the population that can do that but you don't have like a lot of overlap between like say like like a long jumper in track and field, right. like a swimmer, like to be very specific. Like I think they have workhorses who who ride out to the long ride to find the fence that's broken, and then right. I think they have the cutting horses and the bucking horses. And I don't know if this breeding is horses and me just watching, like, but the like the horses that they were using for sliding mm-hmm. in in the corral. They look smaller to me than like a regular yeah. horse. And I'm, again, please forgive my ignorance. Yeah, I do not know we need some fellow Yellowstone fans. Like, I need an equestrian. What is John expert. getting into? What is he doing? Yeah, um, we, we need some, we need some guidance here because. Be some cowboys watching this show. Yeah. <laughs> or at least some people who are in the business who might know a little bit more because um, I'm curious. I know this sounds funny to say, but there's actually a lot of information on TikTok. Is there? Yeah, I there's a lot of Yellowstone information, but there's also I've somehow found at one point like horse TikTok where they were showing the sliding. <laughs> TikTok has everything. Horse talk or whatever they call it. And uh they were showing different types. Of, I mean, I've learned some, but I am I am no expert. So we're, we're still in the Maybe TikTok can category. educate us on the Well, types you of know, horses. not to be I guess tangential, but I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. But you know, we talked about last season the zone of death 
And then unfortunately with the Gabby Petito case that mm-hmm. has been in the news recently here, uh, when she was missing, this zone of death came yes, up again exactly. and people were looking at it and like Yellowstone was in the hashtag sphere again because uh-huh. of like the TikTok videos that existed from Yellowstone talking about this zone of death and like yep. you and I had covered it in one of the podcasts last season because it came up and it was, you know, sent our way yeah. by, uh, by some of the fans and they were just like, Hey, have you heard about this? So it came up. Uh, again, so it's just like I actually know something about the zone. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, from, I actually researched. That. I did that, and it was you know some of that questionable you know Google search history. That I know, the, right? The FBI one day is going to come be like, okay, we need to talk to you about like some of the things that you've searched here. <laughs> so we better hope that I, is a bit. Yeah. So well, yeah. Between oh. like the true crime podcast they were covering with like Prodigal Son, mm-hmm. and you know, like the Zone of Death here, like I, yeah, I've got. I might have some explaining to do if things go south <laughs> on me one day. So, <laughs> some explaining to do. Um, that's funny. So we were talking about the Bone Cows boys. Yep. Yeah. And that's okay. how we got off and there. We, thank you. Okay. Thank you for moving yeah. back on track. And we were yeah. talking about our our cowboy banter and the writing and the bunkhouse. And right. All of those fun things that I always love to see any part of this episode that you want to show me. Colby and Ryan and I'm I'm here for it. It's the best. And they're just like so in awe of just like the beauty of these horses. And I just mm-hmm. love how just drooly they like are. Like a kid in a case where like, oh my yeah. gosh. That's but awesome. I like how this show brings that element in as well. Like it just keeps it authentic and it gives us though we need those little moments in between mm-hmm. where, you know, we get a little bit of normal. Yeah. And we get a little bit of like the actual lifestyle. Right. So I think our last friend is poor little Jimmy. Yeah. So What's even though he's in the bunkhouse, but he gets his own little plot line. Come on, Jim. How is he not paralyzed? <sighs> a miracle. Apparently. And now that I wished him paralyzed, but I mean, no. from where he was last episode where he's, you know, just touching his thumb to his finger and, you know, trying to move it between the different fingers to now he's being discharged. Yeah. And kind of walking. Um, I was pretty impressed with that remarkable recovery. It sounds like really the only paralysis or that he's feeling is in his fingers, right? Like he can walk with a walker. He may not be have full function or full feeling, right. but he's not he's sprinting there. along, you know, anywhere mm. anytime he soon. He looks very fragile. Yes. Like please do not have Don't a strong me. gust of wind. <laughs> he will blow away. Don't make that ramp that you installed in the bunkhouse too steep cuz yeah. it may not make he's it. He's not going. <laughs> he's not going up it pretty well easily. He gets to come home to the ranch and it's, yeah, it's kind of sad. But like, it's short. Yeah. Like his stay. What did you think about John sending Jimmy away? Is this punishment? Is this to help him grow? Like, what can he do around the ranch? Like, he really has no place because he's... He's kind of like where Carter is right now. Yeah. He's, he's kind not, of like taking up space. Yes. He's taking up space. He can't be that helpful. So is it just, yeah, John just sort of shipping him away as like, well, I don't know what else to do. I don't know that it's punishment. I think it might be more just, I don't know what else to do with you. Like I really couldn't come up with a good answer as to where John was landing with Jimmy. Um, I do feel like it's kind of fortuitous timing for him to like send Jimmy away sort of as a lesson. Jimmy is still very immature, but I was like, oh, I was like, I kind of think this might be a good way for Taylor Sheridan to be clever mm-hmm. and like link in the next spinoff that's coming and like 
so he's got the four sixes, right? Right. The, the show that's coming out. And whether or not this pans out, I'm not sure. But like, this is where my mind went to. I was like, okay, because episode one brought in the Y1883 that's coming yeah. very soon. It's coming like within December. a month. Yeah. Um, we're going to have it before Christmas. Um, I think December 19th, and that's going to be on Paramount Plus. So if you don't have that already, I recommend getting it. Um, <laughs> I would be shocked if there isn't a way that this links into the four sixes, like right. as an introduction. Again, we've talked about this so many times. There's nothing accidental in the show. So you have right. John saying that you're going to go with Travis, Travis being the horse man around like i feel like that's just like jimmy's gonna represent okay yeah yellowstone and i would i would this is just my prediction hat sitting on Mm -hmm. and like that's where i was just like "Ah, this is a good way to end the show so for me it gave it gave me hope that jimmy would make something of himself if that's where this ends up going right because like i just feel like he's a little bit of a lost little minnow right now and um and John doesn't want to give up on him. And I really give John credit for not wanting to give up on him. But he also doesn't know what else to do with him. Right. I was like, put him in the kitchen with Gator. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he might, cut off, me he might cut off his finger. <gasps> what did you say? I said, this is all Mia's fault. I said it. Oh, damn. All right. You got to back that up. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to back that up. I got to back that up. I mean, I think that Jimmy knows he doesn't have a whole lot of options. He's he's like Rip and Carter. He has to stay here. He's been branded in. Like he might feel obligated, whatever. But he's here. He's part of the crew, and he promised John that he wouldn't ride a horse, bucking horse anymore. And then Mia gets in his head, like, "Well, if you want me, uh, you have to be a better, you know, a man of your own." Which is true. Like she does. I think she has a good sort of. She comes from a good place. Good place of like, hey, why is this guy like getting to decide what your life is like? But I don't oh, yeah, think she, she bristles against John and yeah. like the branding thing that happened. I don't happened. think she really gets it that like Jimmy doesn't have much of a future without this kind of plan. So I I just think that, you know, yeah, you she's know, just gotten If you're going to draw like, a line between cause yeah. and effect, yeah. that is a very short line between yeah. Mia and what happened to Jimmy. So yeah. And literally saying, if you don't get back on that. I'm backing like, you up. I'm backing you up. So, I got you. <laughs> I think um, this is all your fault. It's all your fault, Mia. There That's we go. why uh, my kids are, you know, they're at that age where they're bickering a lot. And I hear that 700 times a day. This is all your fault. So it just I'm came out. It just this came out of fair. me. Oh, yeah. We hear a lot of that's not fair. Yeah. This is all your fault. Uh-huh. So it just came out because that's what I literally hear from my children all day long. I just think that Jimmy could have stayed within his lines, his box. At the Yellowstone and sort of obeyed the boss and and lived a perfectly fine life. <laughs> yeah, but maybe not a, a Mia, life of. But no, you're right. Mia did push the envelope, saying like the only time I ever saw you happy was when you were on that horse. Right, which I think that she wants him to be happy, and that's that's a good thing. But the who's to say he couldn't have found himself something and, else and who he is um, at the Yellowstone and 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 as a ranch hand or right. whatever? I mean. Who knows? But it's just Chances easy to are, say, Mia, I'm this sorry. is all your fault. I'm sorry, Mia. Chances <laughs> are Jimmy would have died in that firefight. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, at the Yellowstone. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> Jefferson White, we love you. We do. We do. Um, we're hoping that you're one of the interviews because we have yes, questions for you. I to talk to him. He's um, so, I like his Instagram. He's like sweet and genuine and. Yes. Seems very approachable. And, yes. You know. 
I think he would give us a lot of I think of he good. liked one of my comments once. <gasps> I, I always so. love when that happens, <laughs> like the, that kind of interaction. And I'm like, <gasps> he saw me. See, a lot, lot happened. You said a lot. I it, know. But it's a lot. It is a lot. And it's a lot of laying groundwork. And I, I feel like I get hypercritical when I don't have like a firefight. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> our some... job. We literally watch this three, four times. Yes. Like we notice everything because we watch it so many times. We take notes. Yes. And so and we it's... talk to each other and beforehand. We talk, and we compare and notes. So it's easy to be like pointing out every little discrepancy or question or that doesn't make sense. But I like to watch the episode just without my notes or yes. any. And I and I feel that like, oh, this was. Yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't quite. The level of... Right. I, I was able to breathe for 45 yes. minutes, you know? Yeah. And I, I was getting mad. I was like, no, no, don't, don't give Jamie a pass. Like, he's still in this. <laughs> he's still in this. We are so excited to bring you Pod Clubhouse's interview with Cole Hauser. Cole, thank you for joining us for the Yellowstone podcast. Season four feels like a, a tipping point for Rip and the Dutton Ranch and the Duttons overall. A lot of fans, they love Rip, but they often worry he gives more than he gets from the Duttons, especially John maybe taking advantage of him a bit. Is the stuff that's happening in season four maybe going to test that relationship and that loyalty, or is Rip just going to continue to be kind of ride or die to John and and to the Dutton ranch? I mean, I I don't think that he is any test of his loyalty. I I feel like, you know, John's like a father figure to him. I mean, imagine if your father got shot up. I mean, I don't know. I I don't think it's... Uh, that big a deal to go save somebody's life and, and put them on a medevac, but especially for Rip, I don't think he thinks in terms of being owed anything in return. This is a guy who uh, is ultimately grateful to be where he is in his own life uh, on that ranch. It's the only thing he knows and the only thing he truly cares about, along with Beth and and the other family members and their spouses. So, and then the bunkhouse boys, of course, you can't leave them out. But <laughs> sure. So no, I just I think it's it's another step and the responsibility of Rip and what he has to do for the family at the present moment. Uh, so season four is going to add this new layer to your life and to Beth's life with the addition of Carter, uh, played by Finn Little. He is the miniest Rip I, I could imagine with casting. It was really excellent kind of casting. Initially, Rip seems kind of aggressively against having him there and kind of manhandles him, you know, get the fuck out of the house and get your shit and go and just very wary of him what's what's his thinking there? Because then he does soften, right? And he's given him a chance to work now at the ranch. What's his thought process there? Is it he's not wanting kids? Is it he knows this kid because he sees himself in that? What, tell us a little bit about what, what Rip's thinking here with Carter. Well, I mean, initially he's a thief, you know, and Rip's not a thief. So, and he doesn't right. like thieves. I mean, it's, it's a sign of weakness, he thinks. Um, I think he's, you know, he thinks he's a little shifty, a little bit of a, you know, a shyster in a way, you know, trying to get in. And, um, you know, I don't think he sees himself at all. In fact, you know, they're two different people. I think what Rip eventually sees, you know, early on in their relationship is is somebody that maybe potentially he can help and he can guide, you know. And I don't know if he necessarily wants to be that babysitter. You know what I mean? I think there's bigger things at, at hand at that moment. But I think over time, he realizes this kid needs him. And right. not that Beth doesn't have the ability to, to teach this, this boy, but who better than somebody who's gone through a lot in his own life and had you know ups and downs as a young teen 
to be able to jump in there and start to give him some tough love. Now, the thing about Rip is that, and John Dutton is, and that's who he learned from, is right. these guys don't play nice. You know what right. I mean? They're, they're like, hey, this is the job. You do it. If you don't do it, get the fuck out of here. You know, right. and there's somebody else, you know. So that's the way that the mentality is on the ranch. That's the way it was written. I like it. And I think it's true to who he is. I think you said it perfectly. And I think it hits that way. Rip is kind of setting up to be to Carter kind of what John was to rip that father figure in the absence of a father. Right. And we see Carter's father die and he's, you know, a piece of shit for leaving me here. Is when you, when you Cole are, are reading that and preparing that, are you thinking about the way it's been formed with John and Rip as you're approaching your kind of scenes with Carter? No, those those thoughts never dawned on me. It was more of how, how do I, how do I be able to show colors that give the opportunity to be tough but then there's these quiet moments too, which I'm, you know, you haven't mentioned, but there's some really nice moments where I come into his little, you know, bunkhouse where I grew up in, you know, right. inside the barn. And I talk to him about, you know, respect and honor and, and being classy to Beth and, you know, those things that, so there's, there is those juxtapositions with the character. And I think that it takes a minute for, for Rip to want to give him those little diamonds, I would say, but, he does that. And I think ultimately it, it gets Carter to start thinking, Hey, this is, there's a right and wrong to the things in life. I'm getting this opportunity. I better not blow it. Cole, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the season and uh, hopefully talk to you again soon. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. We want to say thank you again to Cole Hauser for sitting down with Mike from Pod Clubhouse and giving us more insight on RIP this season. We are looking forward to more interviews this season. But we are really happy to be back. I am so excited. This is so much fun. And I am, people are asking me now, my friends, like, okay, what, you know, like, what when's your next? new podcast coming out? Like, you know, and it's just so exciting. It's so fun. Sheila and I shared our Lone River Ranch water last night. That oh, was nice. It was so good. I got to be able to find this in New York. I got to go talk uh-oh. to my beer distributor guy and be like, you need to find me this. Yeah. But we got some really great news, and this is absolutely related to each and every one of you that are listening in your little ear pods right now. We, we got such a bump in ratings. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever been as as popular <laughs> as we are this week. <laughs> right? This is like our highest rating. It's so we exciting. Were number, nine number nine in the U.S. for TV and film reviews on Apple Podcasts, which yep. is like the chart for podcasts. Number, Number seven. seven in Canada. I know. Oh, that's crazy. It's humbling. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's exciting. And thank you for listening. That thank you for listening. Really like awesome. we don't get paid for this. We just hang out with each other virtually up until yeah. today. Um for an hour or so a week. Well, maybe a little over an hour. So yeah, right. We talk like, for way too long. Yeah, we talk for way too long. But it's you like know, we're and excited. Three hours later, I'm like, oh, we recorded one hour of a podcast. <laughs> But we get, you know, we got some interaction with comments this week from some of the fans, yeah. and um, please we tweet love that. Us. Tweet at us. We respond. That it's it is us who respond. We will answer. Yeah, it's on my and, phone. And um, and give us your feedback. We like comments. We like feedback. Um, if you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that helps people find the show. Yeah, um, it increases our visibility so that others can find us and. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Send them a link. Yeah, send them a link. Make it easy for people. That's what I always do. Like, yeah. Hey, can you can you do this for me? Like, here's the link. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's I mean, been friend really of mine, exciting. she's, you know, she shared in a couple of her Facebook, you know, TV mm-hmm. watching groups. And I was just like, oh, thank you for doing that. You know, because yeah. she's, you know, she's a fan of the show and she's just excited that she lives in Australia and they're getting in the real time because she otherwise she wouldn't like, you need to give me some screeners access. I'm like, I can't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we're no, we're excited. We're excited that you guys are listening and you're liking the podcast and you're, you know, interacting with us because without you guys, yeah. this is just two people yeah. now in a room together, just talking about a show that we love, but you know, just having that interaction and having that knowledge that you guys are out there and you're enjoying it. It just makes it so much more enjoyable yeah for us. and we want to hear your theories and your thoughts yes. and because that's because we want to discuss them and, and we'll talk about and, them here at yeah. length <laughs> right right <laughs> very long conversation um so we will be back very soon with yeah. episode three we will see if we have an episode title yeah, not sure. <laughs> thank you so much for listening we always appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon this is sheila this is steph all right talk to you guys soon thanks thank you for listening This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.